This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that have tuned in today. Stay tuned today. We want to discuss this question, where will you live in eternity? I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And I want to urge you to call for the course today, or you may take the course online. But that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to take the course, let's pause for just a moment. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftail.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. I want to read to, to you today from the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 19th verse. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. In the Bible, there are some big words. Not necessarily in the length of the words, but in the meaning of the words. For instance, you think about the word God. The word God is a big word. In the beginning, God. God is the creator of all things that exist. Everything that you see above you and around you, beneath you, has the name of God stamped on it. Christ is a big word. When you use the word Christ, you're talking about the one who is the redeemer of the world, the savior of the world, the hope of the world. Then use the, there's that word lost, lost. That's really a frightening word. We hear of people being lost at sea. And that's a frightening thing to contemplate. That's a frightening word, and yet there are many people that will lose their souls. They will be lost for all time and eternity. Then there is that word eternity. What do we mean when we use the word eternity? In Acts, the 15th chapter, and in verse 18, the Bible says, Known to God from eternity are all His works. Known to God from all eternity are His works. Just how long is eternity? Well, eternity begins where human computation ends. 
person can study the stars, for example, and, and they might look at the moon, and they might be able to tell you how far away from the earth those stars are, how far away the moon is. They, they might even predict where they're going to be at a certain point in time. Well, they can't tell you anything about eternity. Men can study the weather. They even predict the weather. They can tell you whether or not you're going to go through a time of storms, have rain, dry spells. Well, they can't tell you anything about eternity. Men have gone to the moon. And they live to come back and tell about going to the moon. But there's not a person that can tell you anything about eternity. You cannot tell how long eternity is because you might as well be, try to find the, the beginning and the end of God as to find the beginning and the end of eternity. God is from everlasting to everlasting. Someone asked in a class, what is eternity? And someone responded, it is the lifetime of the Almighty. Just try to amuse your imagination. Suppose a small bird were to go to the Pacific Ocean and get one drop of water and carry that drop of water from the Pacific Ocean over to the Atlantic Ocean. And then it repeated that process until it had emptied the Pacific into the Atlantic. You say, well, that would be impossible. Well, it's impossible, I'm for sure. But if it were possible, the time consumed in emptying the Pacific into the Atlantic a drop at a time with a tiny bird, the time involved in that would be nothing compared to the, the, the length and the duration of eternity. The, the poet said time with all of its rolling ages is scarcely a tiny bubble rocked upon the bosom of the sighing sea of eternity. The songwriter wrote, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Eternity. Right now, we are living on the other side of eternity, on time side of eternity. We might even refer to it as our short home. In Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, Solomon said, Man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Well, you see, if we have a long home, there must be a short home. And we are in that right now. Our existence in this life is so short, it's brief at its best. James, in James the fourth chapter wrote, What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Our life is like a puff of smoke. It's like the vapor coming off of the tea kettle on the stove. It's there for just a while, and then it vanishes away. In Job the 14th chapter and verse 1, we're told, Man that is born of woman is a few days, and he is full of trouble. Our days are like a tale that is told. Our days are like water spilled on the ground. Our days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, the Bible says. Our days on this earth are brief. And right now in our short home is the time we have to prepare for eternity. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, we are reminded that we will not remain in this short home forever. It is appointed unto a man once to die, and then comes the judgment. 
So we're not going to live forever. Therefore, we need to make preparation now for the inevitable. It is a wise thing to do that. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about those that are wise. And beginning in verse 24, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, him will I liken unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it is founded upon the rock. But whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, him will I liken unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here two men, one man, one man built on the solid rock, the man built on the rock which is Christ, by hearing and by obeying his word, by making adequate preparation. The man who built his house upon the sand did not adequately prepare for the storm to come. And there is a storm coming one day. It is a storm that for those that are unprepared, it's the storm of the judgment. Thus prepare. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Prepare to meet thy God. And just as surely as you and I are living right now, just as surely as you hear these words right now, it is just that certain that one day we will meet God. Oh, there are really way, many ways in which we meet God. We meet God in nature. For the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We, we meet God in revelation, that is, in the Bible. All that we know about God has been revealed for us in the pages of the Bible. We might observe the design of the universe, and we may come to the conclusion there was intelligence involved in that, but we are in, indebted to the Bible to tell us the, who that intelligent is. That intelligent being is God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we, we are going to meet God. We meet God in Revelation. But we also meet God when we come together to worship, do we not? Where two or three are gathered together in His name, He's there in their midst, Matthew 18. And we meet God in death. We meet God in death. And most people die before they plan to die, before they intend to die. But we're going to meet God in the judgment one day. It is appointed unto a man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Now, in view of that, we need to prepare for eternity. And we do that by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is important to obey the gospel. We cannot be saved without obeying the gospel. In a thousand years... It's not going to matter how much money you had. A thousand years from now, it will not matter what you may have looked like. You may have been a very beautiful person. You may have been a handsome man. But that's not going to matter in a thousand years. The only thing that will matter is what did you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Friends, you must obey the gospel. You obey the gospel by believing on Jesus. 
repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ, and by being baptized into Christ. The reason we say that is because Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There are two conditions of salvation in that passage, faith in Christ and baptism. One condition of condemnation, unbelief. It would have been redundant, unnecessary, for Jesus to have said, He that believeth not and is not baptized shall be condemned, because one is condemned at the very point of their unbelief. So he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's how we obey the gospel. In verse 15, in the verse preceding this, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word gospel is good news. The good news about Jesus. He that believeth. Well, believes what? Believes the good news about Jesus and is baptized shall be saved. Friends, that's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, let's repeat the sinner's prayer. The Bible doesn't say put your hand on the television screen and pray along with the preacher. The Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want you to be prepared for eternity. I want to only tell you what the Bible says. And secondly, to be prepared for eternity, once you do that, you must remain faithful and dedicated as a child of God. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, Jesus said, Well done, good thou good and faithful servant. Why, that's the, those are the words we want to hear when the Lord comes back to receive His own. Well done, good and faithful servant. We need to be faithful and dedicated as a child of God. As Revelation 2 verse 10 reads, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So we need to prepare in this short home for eternity. I'll ask you a question, a personal question. Are you prepared right now? As you are now, are you prepared? If the Lord were to call you home in death within the next 30 minutes, would you be prepared for eternity? What are the conditions in eternity? What's it going to be like in eternity? Well, let me tell you what it's like for the child of God in eternity. In Psalms 116 and verse number 15, the psalmist said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now that sounds like a pretty good condition to me, doesn't it to you? That the death of a child of God is precious to God. Uh, and, and I've often tried to uh, think about why that would be the case. Well, I think there's several reasons that it's precious for a saint to die, for a Christian to die. And, and, and one of those reasons is because it is a home going for the Christian. We're going home to be with our Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said that to be present in the bodies, to be absent from the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord. So when we die, we're at home with the Lord. In Philippians 1, 21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's better. 
It's precious. I think another reason that it's precious when, when a saint dies is because we are through with all of the heartache and sorrow and discomfort of this old world. We'll be done with it, done with it forever. Jesus was trying to comfort his disciples who were sorrowful about his going away. And he said to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back for the child of God one day. That's the condition of those who are children of God in eternity. They're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We know that if this earthly body of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. But what about the condition of that person in eternity who died unprepared? Well, and we read earlier from Luke the 16th chapter, about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. And the rich man died and lift up his eyes in torments. And he saw Abraham and, and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. If you have ever wondered what people want in hell, they want mercy. They want mercy. He said, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. I'm tormented in this flame. My friend, that's the condition of the person who dies unprepared. And then he said, Abraham said to him, But son, remember that in your lifetime, you, you received good things. Lazarus, evil things. Now he's comforted. You're tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great guff fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, neither can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send into my father's house five, five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said... They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father. If one goes to them from the dead, they would repent. And Abraham said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Here's a man who lost his soul. He lifts up his eyes in torments. And his desires are unsatisfied. All he wants is just a moistened finger on his, cool, on his tongue to cool his tongue. His request was denied. And, and here he is pleading for someone to go and talk to his brothers who are on the path that would lead them right behind him into hell. But his request was denied. Hell is a place of vile companionship. In Revelation, the 21st chapter in verse 8, 
The Bible says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the whoremonger and the sorcerer and the idolater and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Now that's the second death. Hell is a place of unsatisfied desire. Hell is a place of vile companionship. And hell is a place of fire. Matthew 25 and verse 41, Jesus said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Sometimes people will ask, Brother Lambert, do you think that's literal fire or figurative fire? I don't know whether it's literal fire or figurative fire. fire. It's just fire. And whether it is literal or figurative, it's a place of torment. I'm, I'm just taking the Lord's word for it. And he said it's fire, and fire is just fire. And to tell you the honest truth, I don't want to find out personally whether it's literal or figurative. This man was tormented in flames. It doesn't sound like it's figurative to me. That sounds pretty literal. But that's the condition of the man who loses his soul. And yet we live in a time where people pamper their bodies, they neglect their souls. They do everything they can for the pleasure of the moment, and they forget about the future. They forget about eternity. We're not thinking about that anymore. Jesus asked this question. It's a heart-searching question. Well, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul? Well, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Have you ever thought about eternity? I want to urge you to consider eternity. You say, well, why should I do that? I think one reason is because all of us are interested in the future. There's just something about us to want to know what the future holds. That's the reason people will go to so-called fortune tellers. Now, so-called fortune tellers are nothing more than people who take your money. Job 14, 14 shows how people feel about the future. The question is, if a man dies, will he live again? See, people have always wanted to know about the future. Of course, Jesus answered that question. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He will live. Another reason we ought to consider eternity is because there's no hope for the soul without God. There was a man that had more produce than he knew what to do with. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16. So he said, now this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns. And I'm going to build greater barns, bigger barns, better barns. And that's where I'm going to bestow all of my fruits and all of my goods. And I'm going to say to my soul, soul... You've got goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, You are a foolish man. 
This night your soul shall be required of you. Then who shall those things be that you've provided? That is, who's going to own everything you've put in the barn? Who's going to own the barn? You see, it's a very foolish thing to think only about this life with no thought whatsoever about the life to come. And that's what Jesus said in verse 21 in Luke 12. So is is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. People are laying up treasures for themselves on this earth, but they're not rich toward God. They're laying up treasures for this and that and the other. They will sacrifice for a vacation, sacrifice for a car, sacrifice for a new television, sacrifice for a boat and motor, sacrifice for a place in the mountains or at the beach. All at the expense of their soul and never have any thought of God Almighty. Oh, we need to be giving thought to eternity. And we need to think about it because the only time we have to prepare for it is right now. Friend, tomorrow you could be dead. Tomorrow I could be dead. That's something we don't know about. That's why Solomon in Proverbs 27 and 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. And tomorrow, Jesus could come. He could come back tomorrow. He's coming on some tomorrow. And it could be tomorrow. You see, tomorrow may be too late for you. Now is the time to act. If you've been thinking about your soul and your salvation, I want you to think more seriously than you've ever thought in all of your life. Where will you live in eternity? Where you live in eternity will depend upon the decisions you make in this life and the preparation that you make in this life. And if you in your heart know, after having studied the Word of God for yourself, you know that you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, may I urge you to do so. If we can assist you in that, let us know. We'll have some servant of God to to contact you and assist you in your baptism into Christ. I want to thank you for listening today and watching our telecast. And I want to urge you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and, and also pick up the telephone. Call for the Bible course. Or if you prefer, you can take the course online. But please take it. Please take it. It will help you in learning more how to prepare for eternity. Where will you live in eternity? I want to thank you for watching our telecast today, and I want you to know that I love you and that I pray for you, and we want you to continue to watch Getting to Know Your Bible, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>